We've been going through the Holy History. The theme for this series is found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. It says, these things happened to them as examples for us and were written down for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. All of these events that took place with Israel in the Old Testament are not just history, they're his story. It's God's interaction and intervention in human history. God's plan to bring the whole earth to himself, to bring all the people of the earth to be a part of his kingdom. All right, we have the kids downstairs today, and it's uh, almost, what is tomorrow, by the way? Halloween. What, what are we supposed to do on Halloween again? <laughs> Getting costumes and get candy. So many people like to pretend, don't they? Yeah. Um, that's the reason, I think that's probably the main reason why Halloween is so popular, that and, of course, candy. And is there still a lot of candy there? Yeah, okay. So that means you guys will be able to go back and get some more candy in your bag. I just want to make sure that everybody got some, but not quite yet. So Pastor Craig asked you kids and adults, this is something that uh, we, we really answer as well. Who are you supposed to be? A lot of people like to pretend to be someone that they're not. Kids do that as an experiment. Uh, you know, as I've mentioned this before, teenagers have a tendency to kind of change the way they dress and act and so forth through those years because they're experimenting with identity. They're trying to figure out, okay, this is how, you know, I've been raised with my parents and I'm like my mom or I'm like my dad or my aunt, my uncle, my grandfather, whatever. But what am I, what am I really like? What am I, what am I like outside of that? What am I supposed to be? Well, maybe you've been raised to believe that there's nothing you're supposed to be. You can just kind of be whatever you want to be. But that's really not true. When I was younger, uh, when I first started becoming a teenager, uh, do you know what I wanted to be? I wanted to be a bodybuilder. That worked out. <laughs> I literally lift weights six days a week and my body's just like, whatever. But my big hero before I became a Christian was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have you heard of him? Now, he's been the governor of California. He's been in all kinds of movies. But back then, he was just a bodybuilder. He'd been in one movie uh, called, actually two, one called Pumping Iron. Um, and these are movies that I, I can't recommend, and they're old anyway, but they're just about bodybuilding, okay? And so I saw how big he was, and man, you know, like it would give his, his measurements in, you know, in uh, all these magazines that I read and stuff. His arms were 22 and a half inches. That's the size of my thigh, right? And, you know, he would make this, the, you know, this pose, and his arm was just huge, and I thought, man, that's what I want to be. So I got a, you know, a weight set in my garage and I started pumping iron. Actually, it was plastic back then. It was these plastic weights filled with concrete. And man, I was just like, in fact, I can remember uh, when I first started going to church, when I gave my life to Jesus, there was a group from church that came and visited at my house. And they, it was a Monday night and they knocked on the door and I had just finished working out. Uh, in my uh, in my little weight room in the garage. But you know, my body just, I don't have the genetics for that. Now you can try hard and work hard and eat right and all those things, and, and, and you should, but that doesn't mean that just anybody can be a bodybuilder. Um, 
not just anybody can be a singer. We can all sing, and we should. I hope you sing and worship uh, with everybody that's here. But we can't all. We can pretend to be certain things. And as you're growing up, you pretend to be certain things, and you play when you're younger. And it's an experiment. You're trying to figure things out. And as I've said before, I hope you go ahead and go out there and try music and try athletics and try academics and do all these different things so you can kind of figure it out. But don't be deceived into believing that you can just do whatever you want to do because we can't all do that, right? Work really hard. Do your best. In fact, I'm reading a, a book right now. Uh, it's called The Boys from Biloxi, and it's a, it's a Gresham book. And he's going through this long, detailed uh, background in these two characters. And they're brothers, and they were both baseball players, little league players, when they were younger. And the one brother was an incredible pitcher. He could pitch really, really hard. But he said, you know, as, as this fellow got older, as this kid got older and he got to junior high, and then the, the pitcher's mound moved from 45 feet out to 60 feet, Suddenly, those pitches weren't as hard because while he was, you know, reasonably athletically gifted when he was younger, he didn't have those genetics and that gifting to be able to continue to push it on. So, hey, man, if you like to play baseball, keep playing as long as you can, right? But don't close all your other options assuming that you're just going to automatically be a pro ball player. Everybody wants to be a pro ball player. Everybody wants to be a celebrity. Everybody wants to be whatever. You can't just be whatever you want to be. However, you can be what God created you to be. Amen? God made you. He made you unique. He made you special. He made you in his image. And what you should be trying to do is discovering what God made you do. Now, when adults pretend, it may be as a means of escape. Um, And you know, I left out one type of pretending that people do all the time, and that's video games, right? We get into these video games, and we become this character, and now you can have you know, the, this uh, the device that you stick your phone in and you stick it on your face and, you know, you do this and it's, you know, it's augmented reality. It's even more like you're there, but we're just pretending, right? So it's fun to pretend, but that doesn't mean that that's what we really are. God created the universe and every human in it, and there is a way things are supposed to be. Say that, say there is a way things are supposed to be. We can't just make things whatever we want them to be, right? Different people have different perspectives, and we should respect that. But you can't change reality, right? Maybe, you know, you've watched a bunch of superhero movies, and uh, I, I mean, I can't recommend this for kids at this point, but I just watched the, the Black Adam superhero movie. And apparently he's like a DC superhero. It's not much of a spoiler, but I will tell you that Superman shows up at the very end, Right? So I'd never heard of this Black Adam character. Um, uh, He's somehow related to Shazam and all of that. But, you know, he does all this crazy stuff with, you know, electricity and, you know, he can move to, you know, one place from one place to another really fast or, you know, Superman, right? This is the character that, you know, I would want to be if I could just poof, be a superhero. The guy can do just about anything. His only weakness is kryptonite. I mean, I can stay away from kryptonite. Give me a break, right? But... If I believed that I were Superman so much that I crawled on the roof of this building, and by the way, the roof of this building is pretty high, okay? What you're looking at right there, that's the ceiling. And then those of us that have been down here and heard you kids go upstairs, you sound like a herd of elephants, right? So then above the ceiling right there, there's a floor of another 
the floor of another floor. And then there's that ceiling. And then there's the roof, right? So you've got to go out on this roof of the, the, the room that's behind us. And you have to climb the scary ladder, go over this parapet. And now you're on that really tall roof. It's way up there, y'all. I got up there one time to watch the fireworks. And it's a great view because we used to have a tree out there. Remember those days? Yes, when we had a tree out there before they tore it down. And I used to get, you know, I got up there that one time. I got up another time and took a picture of the moon when it was the full moon. But man, if I were to stand on the parapet and imagine jumping down, I'd have to be crazy to think that I would survive that, right? Bare minimum, I'm going to break a couple of legs. But you can't deceive yourself or delude yourself into believing that you're something that you're not because sooner or later, it's going to do harm to you. So here's the question. How do you discover who you really are? Well, there's three ways that people can do this. Two ways that people often do this. Uh, A, you look outside yourself. You look at other people who you seem to be like or who you want to be like or who you like. And you try to be like them, wittingly or unwittingly. That means purposefully or not, intentionally or not. We do have a tendency to do that, okay? Uh, You know, when I was younger, it was popular to put posters on your wall. Does anybody do that today? Does anybody still do that today? You do that, right? And we typically put posters on our wall of people that we like or people that we would like to be like, And that's something that you do when you're younger. Sometimes it's something that we do when we're older as well. Um, B, so A, you look outside yourself uh, toward those that you like or you want to be like or you think you are already like. B, you look inside yourself and you look at your feelings. And a lot of people do that. And that's why they kind of change how they feel. They change how they act. Uh, you know, maybe on a regular basis or maybe over time they're like this and then they're like this and like, because they're looking at their feelings and the truth is your feelings change over time. Now, we were supposed to have movie night this last Friday, but we didn't have it because I was officiating a wedding. Um, I don't know how many of you all were here or can think back about 10 years ago, uh, but there was a young man and his two half-brothers, if you will, that were part of our ministry, and his name was Reuben. Anybody remember Reuben? All right. Well, I just officiated his wedding to uh, his bride, Griselda. Um, Beautiful wedding, wonderful couple. And, um, you know, when I stand up there and I officiate that wedding, I am an actual pastor, not pretending to be a pastor, right? I'm not pretending to be something that I'm not. I'm doing something that I really am, okay? Now, when I talked to them, I, I, when I do officiate a wedding, I, there's a little part in the wedding where I talk to the couple directly in front of everybody. It's called the pastoral charge. And I gave them a commendation because they have been together for quite a while. In fact, they have two kids already. But they decided, you know what? We want to do this God's way. We want to do this right. We want to get married. And so I commended them for that because there are too many people that just don't think they need to get married. They can go out and just kind of, you know, live together and play family and all of that. But it's not, it's really not the same thing. I'm not trying to be mean to you or offend you, right? I'm just telling you God's got a plan. Now, here's something that I said to them very clearly. Oh, here's somebody else that we need to see up here at some point. We need to make sure that we see that costume at some point very, very soon. You look good. And we'll force Jubilee to come up here too because she's in similarly uh, dressed. All right, so 
um, what I told them was, I said, it, you, what will hold your, your marriage together is love. And those of you out here in the room would go, duh. The problem is, what is the definition that most people have of love? It's a feeling, right? It's a very strong feeling that you have. So as a result, people fall in love, right? Have you heard that? Have you been there? They fall in love. And then they're with that person for a while. And then they say, yeah, but I don't really love you anymore. (laughs) Then I would say, you don't know what love is. I'm not trying to be mean. There are overwhelming emotions that are attached to love, but this is what I told them. Love is a commitment. Love is a decision. And then I read them a passage of scripture where the apostle Paul prayed that we would be able to experience God's love because the scripture says that we're to love one another as Jesus has loved us. So if you're gonna love the way you need to love, you've gotta let God in. You've gotta let Jesus in. You've gotta let him love you, man. And when you let him love you and you see how committed he is to you, he died for you on that cross, then that helps you to realize, wow, that's a love that I want to share. And then you share that. And, and, you know, I do a whole series on love. You share that with at different levels, right? And, you know, we've got a kind of love for friends. We've got a kind of love for family. We've got a kind of love that is for one other person in the world, right? A man for a woman for life. That's the the married kind of love. But that's, that's not a feeling, okay? It's a decision. It's a determination. If you allow feelings to drive you, you're going to go up and down and in and out and change all the time. Further, Satan is going to be able to manipulate you. So I would say don't look inside and follow your feelings when you try to decide who you're supposed to be. Finally, letter C, you can look up and follow Jesus. Amen? That's the premise behind my message here, which isn't going to be very long because we have kids down here and we have lots to do today. But God created you, and he knows who you are supposed to be. So I asked that question. I had Pastor Craig ask the question, who are you supposed to be? Jesus knows who you're supposed to be. Remember, we said it a moment ago, there is a way things are supposed to be. God created the world. Now, if the world just came into existence and you know, just moved whatever way, you know, randomly that it chose to to move, then, you know, it would be reasonable for people to say, well, then I'm just going to move whatever way I want to move and do whatever I want to do, make things the way I want to make things. This is why people are so confused, because we have not affirmed that God is the creator. He created you. Say, God created me. Even if you won't say that, he created you a contrarian, all right? He did. He created you, and he created you in his image. That's what the scripture says. He created uh, man in his own image, male and female. He created them. That's you. If we're going to figure out who we're supposed to be, then we have to look at God. And if we're going to look at God, we've got to look at Jesus, all right? So um, that was he, excuse me, that was Genesis 1, 27, uh, that scripture about us being created in God's image. And... um, then we need to see that Jesus affirmed that, okay? Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4, when he was talking about marriage, he said, have you not heard that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
that resolves a lot of issues that are being discussed in our world today. God made them male and female. The man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. At the wedding that I officiated on Friday, they chose uh, to do so. I haven't done this at a wedding in a while. It was popular for a time, and it's sort of fallen out of favor these days. But they lit the unity candle. Have you all heard of the unity candle? Anybody? Did you light a unity candle at your wedding? Anybody? No? Okay. And it is the, the symbol of two lives. Usually what happens, and this is what we did, the mothers come in and they light two separate candles that represent the two lives. And then at a point in the ceremony, when I do the ceremony, it's right after the vows, then the couple goes, they take their candle, each take their candle, and they light a center candle, and then they turn and blow that individual candle out. Now, I usually mention in the wedding that this doesn't mean that you no longer have your own personality or selfhood, but it means that the two of you have joined together and you're living your lives as one. That's this one flesh relationship that we're talking about, okay? Um, That's God's plan. Human beings have all sorts of other plans that they're initiating and executing today. But all I can do is tell you God's plan and help you to understand that God's plan is always the best plan. That's why our church is called LifeWell. I don't want to condemn anybody. I don't want to call anybody names. I just want to shine the light and show people what God's plan is. Anything else that we determine or decide to do falls short of God's glory, and that's called sin. And we're inevitably, sooner or later, going to fail if we continue to pursue our own way of doing things, right? Now, it should be mentioned that we're created in God's image, but God's image within us is damaged. It has been damaged, and it needs to be repaired. And the way that that image within us is repaired is that we come to Jesus who died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the dead to reconcile us to God. And God sends his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live within us. And that Holy Spirit fixes the damage, all right? Now, I've shown the picture uh, up here before. I didn't anticipate that I was going to do this today, so I don't have that picture now. But there is a a form of Japanese art uh, called kintsugi, That's one of the names for it, kintsugi. And what they do is they take broken material, like a broken cup or a broken bowl or a broken pot, and they repair it, but they don't try to repair it. There it is right there. Kintsukuroi is the other word, right? Do you see the pot up there? Do you see the veins going through it that are gold? That's actual gold. And so what happens is the artist takes the pieces of the broken bowl and reassembles them, but the artist uses gold to weld them together. And so the the wound, if you will, is part of the art. It's part of the beauty. God will put you back together wherever you've been, however far you've you've fallen, however much you've, you've you've broken yourself or been broken by other people. When you come to Christ, God sends his spirit in and he reassembles you and makes you not just something that can get by, he makes you someone better than you were before, amen? 
We become something more and other than what we would have been without Christ when we have Christ. So Jesus is the standard for the way you're supposed to be. Say, Jesus is the standard. Now you say, well, yeah, but, you know, I, I'm a boy or I'm a male, I'm, I'm a man, so that makes sense. And you're like, hey, yeah, but I'm a lady, I'm a girl. I'm, I, that doesn't make sense because he's, no, Jesus is above that, Right? When we look to Jesus, we see not just the perfect man, masculinity, male, we see the perfect human being. And what we find, and this is in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, that when we come to Christ, there is neither male nor female. There's neither slave nor free. There are not all these designations and, and separations that we make. You just follow Jesus. If you learn to follow Jesus, you will figure out who you really are. He is the mirror that you need to be reflected in. Listen to Philippians 2, 5 through 7, talking about becoming like Jesus, becoming what you're supposed to be. This is the New Living Translation. You must have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. So we're supposed to humble ourselves. We're supposed to love people the way Jesus did. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way just as we are and yet was without sin. Jesus was tempted in every way you are tempted, but he was without sin. When we have Jesus, we have the power to overcome sin. And then this from Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Say, we are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. So when you pray and you allow Jesus to come into your heart, he begins to transform you into his image. This is what it says. Um, this is... Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. And then this from Romans 8.29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is, this is our mandate. This is, this is who we're supposed to be. So we asked all these kids when they came up here, who are you supposed to be? And of course they were pretending and they were having fun. But if you wanna know who you really are, who you're really supposed to be, it's not just a career. See, a lot of times adults, you know, uh, when they answer the question of identity, they will say, well, I am, you know, her husband right? Or I am, you know, this job title, right? I am a, a program director. I'm a pastor. I'm an engineer. I'm a lawyer. And we align ourselves very, very closely, especially men with that career identity. But I've got news for you. That may be a part of what you do and how you exercise your identity, but that's really not fully your identity. In fact, I was reading this this morning and today's message is not going to get into that level of depth, but 
when you come to Christ, you become a part of the body of Christ and you're given spiritual gifts and you exercise those gifts. And that's really who you are in Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. When you come to Jesus, he makes you a new person. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in anyone? Are you in Christ? Then it says, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. See, I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Say, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Say, everything is new. That's how you find out who you are. Not by looking in the face of some celebrity. Not by trying to be like some singer or athlete. Not even by trying to be like your parents. You may be a lot like your parents and they may be good examples. But that's still going to fall short of what God's design and will is for you. Now I'm going to read this uh, little bit more lengthy passage from Ephesians as I conclude. um, Because this really helps us to understand how we're supposed to come out and away from the world and come into Christ and put on Christ the way you really put on a set of clothes. So I tell you this, this is Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. The apostle Paul writes, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. That's the the people in the world that don't know Jesus. In the futility of their minds, that means the pointlessness of it. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves up to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. You're supposed to take off the old self, right? Oh, I just like to fight because I'm Irish. This this book that I'm reading right now, this Gresham book, um, uh, there's a character in there that is just, he's a fighter. He's just a pugilist. He just likes to beat people up, right? And there are people that are, you know, naturally, in the natural, they're more aggressive. They're, they're more violent. There are people that in the natural are, are more passive. They're, uh, you know, they're not violent people at all. But we have to escape the natural, and we have to find Christ and put on Christ. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what I want for you today. I want for you to understand that who you're supposed to be is found in Christ. And wherever you are in your journey, you're a kid. You like to pretend, you like to play. You're a teenager. You still kind of like to pretend and like to play, all right? You're an adult. Maybe you think you've kind of, you know, hit your stride and you're basically where you're supposed to be with your life or whatever. We have an entire lifetime to seek to become more like Jesus. This is why we're always teaching about Jesus in here. More of you need to show up to Craig's Bible study at 9.30. It's good stuff. He's teaching from the Gospel of Luke. The more we understand Jesus, the more we understand who we're supposed to be. So don't let our godless culture deceive you and pressure you into acting like you're something or someone you're not. Renew your mind by paying attention to God's word and being willing to do his will. Here's the last verse. Um, I memorized this a long time ago. This is Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Now, I don't know if I memorized it in the same translation she's putting up here. (laughs) But nonetheless, we need to be transformed. The culture is seeking to squeeze you into its mold. Now, the culture is, is divided right now, right? It's binary. It's bifurcated, right? We've got the, the right-wing culture over here, and we've got the left-wing culture over here. Hey, man, as the, the old Native American proverb goes, two wings, same bird. You don't need to be right-wing or left-wing. You need to follow Jesus. And when you follow Jesus and become more like him, there's some things that will make you look too far to the left to some people, too far to the right to other people, but you just follow Jesus, not the culture. Don't let it squeeze you into its mold. Let the word of God, which I've just preached to you, transform your mind. Amen? All right. That's my message for you today. If you've never come to Christ, if you've never allowed him to come into your heart and life, then I would invite you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to sing another song here, and I would invite you to sing along And open your heart and open your mind to Jesus and just say a simple prayer to him. Say, Jesus, I I fall short. I need you in my life. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. I invite you to come in and transform me now. Say a prayer like that. Let Jesus come in and it it will make all the difference both in this life and in the life to come.